I am excited to get to our message this morning. Uh, Pastor Lawrence is in Roswell doing some ministry there, so I get to speak to you guys this morning, so I'm super excited um, about that. Uh, kicking off our 40 days with Outrageously Loving. How many of you guys know one of our core values and our first core value as a church is to be outrageously loving? And if you aren't plugged into a group, get connected to a group. There's a ton out in the lobby, and they'll talk to you guys more about that, so I'm not trying to give you a promotion here. But here's the thing I do want us to understand. There's something so key about being able to come together and discuss what it is that God's doing and what God's stirring and what God's releasing in the body of Christ. And today I want to talk to you guys a little bit on the topic of love. So outrageously loving, if you're taking notes, um, that's going to be your notes. And I want to take you to a verse. It's one of my favorite verses when we start talking about love, and it's actually one that I memorized when I went to school here. Um, if you guys were here Tuesday morning for prayer, I talked about it uh, that morning. But this is a verse that really has stuck with me so much. We read it every single morning and memorized and learned this verse. And uh, I think it's the perfect description of love if we start to look. So if you would turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, and we're just going to start there. But it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become as, as sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. I want to pause right there for a second because, you know, we've talked, what's our New Year's revelation for this year and for us as a church? Our New Year's revelation is is love is our source, which means what? Love should be first. Before anything else we do, it should come out of love. We should live out of love. We should give out of love. We should pour into the lives of other people out of the love of Jesus that radiates through us. And I love the beginning of this because that's exactly what it's saying. It doesn't matter how generous I am. It doesn't matter how much I give. It doesn't matter how many things I do in the community. It doesn't matter what I do to help others. If love isn't the reason I'm doing it, I'm doing it for the wrong reason. And so many times we get caught up in the selfie culture that we live in. I'm not knocking them. I take them to you. You can look on my page and you'll see all kinds of stuff. But how many times do we go and it's like, okay, hey, let's go feed the homeless. Let's go help somebody who's in need. It's like, hey, here's all the stuff that I want to help you with. God wants to love you and bless you. But hey, real quick, let's take a selfie. I mean, like, like, let's be honest. We're in the middle of the gospel, not like in the middle of just a story, but you're living the gospel. Let me embrace you. Let me love you. Let me pour into your situation. Wait, pause. Selfie moment. Right? And then we go back into ministry. Any, I'm not knocking that. It's okay to take selfies and do those things, but what I do want us to understand, if we have to pause in the middle of every moment to take a picture to show we were in it, We've missed the point of being in the moment. We've missed that moment of relationship and connection that God's intended and designed for us there. And there's something about the understanding, the loving nature of God that's so much bigger and so much more than simply a headline, a tweet, or a post. It's about making an investment in the lives of other people. It, now hear what I'm saying because there's nothing wrong with every one of these. In fact, we should strive to do every one of the things that I mentioned. How many of you realize it's great to understand and to have words of knowledge and gifts of the Spirit? That's great. That's something that we need to have, we want to have. How many of you guys realize it's good 
to give to the poor and those in need and to help those who need help. It's not saying don't do those. It's saying if I do those and I don't love the person I'm doing it for, I've missed it. Those are important. We need to give. We need to help. We need to grow. But we need to do it for the right reasons. We need to make sure that our heart is right because we understand the loving nature of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he gave. That's why we love, because he loved us. In the middle of everything that went wrong in our life, he loved us first. So the source of everything that comes out of us should be the love of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's pick back up at verse 4. So what should that look like in our lives? Verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thanks, thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Do you, do you hear this? When I, if I asked you, describe who Jesus is to you, we can't get a more clear depiction. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to fail you. He's not going to keep record of the things that you've done wrong. Do you hear me? We don't get a more clear depiction of what the love and the life of Jesus is than that portion of Scripture right there. So when we say love should be our source, how should, how should we live that out? If our first core value as a church is to be outrageously loving, what does it mean to be outrageously loving? Not just loving, outrageously loving. It probably should look something like this. It means we shouldn't envy, we shouldn't parade ourselves, we shouldn't look out only for ourselves, we shouldn't be provoked, we should rejoice in the truth, we should believe in each other, we should hope for each other. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? If love is our source, that verse needs to be you. If love is our source, then everything we live and everything we do needs to be about investing in hope, in giving hope into the lives of those we come in contact with because that's exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Jesus loved you first. And if love is our source, then that means before we do anything else in life, love first. When you get in a discussion with somebody that you don't necessarily agree with, before you respond, love first. When that person cuts you on traffic, before you respond, love first. Right? When you're in the 20 items or less line at the store and somebody rolls up with three bags, love them first. Right? When you're at McDonald's and they say, Morning breakfast, 60 seconds or less. You've been there for three and a half minutes. Love first. Because what we typically do in our culture is love last. In our culture, if you treat me right and you do me well, and honestly, if you do what I want you to do and you make me feel good about myself, I'm going to love you. That's what our culture says. Jesus says, I'm going to love you no matter how you treat me, whether you respect me, whether you honor me. Whatever you think of me is irrelevant because who God is in me is what's going to define me. You hear me? Love is our source. For us to be an outrageously loving people, love has to be our source. We have to understand there's something that God wants to unlock inside of you. 
in true love isn't just getting along all the time. True love isn't just, that means everything's unicorns and rainbows, right? It's not, I love my son. Because I love my son, there's times I'm going to discipline my son. Why? Because I want him to understand how to do things the right way. God loves you. Love comes with a responsibility, and that responsibility is truth. Do you hear me? We, a lot of times in our culture, we act like we have to have one or the other. We, for a lot of people, well, I'm just speaking the truth. Do, do you follow me? And I can say whatever I want to say because I'm just speaking the truth. There's no love in that. But then there's other people who, well, you know, we just need to love one another. I don't agree, but we just love. We don't, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to offend. Do you, you don't offend people when you love people because you've built enough relationship to have an honest conversation with them. Love requires truth. But truth without love is damaging. See, it's not one or the other, it's both and. For us truly to be Jesus in our world, we have to declare unwavering truth, but we have to do it in a way that is loving and understanding that people are walking through situations. We don't know their circumstance. We don't know why they're facing the things that they're facing, and you can't look at them and say, you're wrong, because Jesus didn't look at you and scream how wrong you were. He loved you in how wrong you were. You follow me. But then he brought you out of it because he loved you too much to leave you in it. Love requires truth. Anybody, you ever been with somebody and maybe, great example of this, you go out to eat and you get like some broccoli in your teeth or something real cool like that, right? You know what I mean? It's like little trees sticking out and you're looking around and you're talking to everybody and maybe you meet somebody new and you walk away and you, you see this big old tree branch sticking out of the side of your mouth and you look at your friend like, why did you not tell me? You don't go back to the person you just met and say, what is your problem? You didn't tell me I got a little forest growing on the side of my cheek? No. You look at your friend and you say, why didn't you tell me? Because that relationship brings a level of love, and love requires truth. You don't get mad at the person you don't know. You look to the person you do. Really important thing to learn. You want to love like Jesus? You want to speak truth like Jesus? Then you better love somebody first. Because before Jesus called order to the woman at the well, he dignified her with a conversation. In that culture, in that time, you would not find a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. No way. They were dogs. They were not to be looked at, talked to. There was no way. But he dignified her with a conversation before he ever brought order to her situation. We need to start having a loving conversation with the world around us that says, hey, I'm going to reach into your situation. I'm going to reach into your circumstance. I'm going to meet you where you are because Jesus loves you right there. And when we do that, it begins to change something about the heart of a person where we can honestly say, listen, this is a conversation we need to have. And you need to realize that there, there's some things, because now you've got the loving relationship and the responsibility to look out for that person. Truth with love. We have to have truth with love. The thing about truth and love is this. Truth without love 
is merely beating the broken. But truth with love will heal the hurting. See, I love when Jesus did ministry because he always, always dignified the person that he was speaking to. He would go and when Jesus healed the leper, think about this for a moment. When Jesus healed the leper, it says he touched him. I don't know if you realize this, but when someone had leprosy, they were the outcasts. They didn't even get to live in the city because no one wanted to touch them. No one wanted to be close to them. In many cases, they even wore a bell around their neck so that if they started walking down the street, people knew they were coming so they could get away. How many people do you run from because you don't want to touch their situation? Because let me tell you, the loving heart of Jesus didn't run from the bell. He went to the bell and he touched the man and he brought healing to a situation. But that doesn't happen until we're willing to get outside of ourselves and stop worrying about where we are. And we begin to get in the middle of people's situations. And let me tell you, that's going to be messy. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. But before Jesus did anything, said he had compassion on the people. Where is love in our life? Is love our source? Because if love is our source, then we should be an outrageously loving people. When you go, I'm like, I'm a metal for a minute. You guys okay with that? When you go to the bank, your conversation with the, part, with the teller should not look like this. Is that a loving conversation? Give me all my money. Well, how do you want this? I don't care. Okay, bye. Like, that's not a loving conversation. It should look more like this. How's your day today? You guys busy? Start a conversation. Dignify them with a conversation. They're not just there to serve you. They're a human being performing a job just like you do at your job. Dignify them with a conversation and let the loving heart of Jesus come through you in every situation. You hear me? So often we walk through life and we act like the people around us don't exist. Let me help you. The people around you exist. In fact, they're the people you're called to. Most of Jesus' ministry didn't happen in a church. It happened on the street on the way somewhere. So if you're too busy going where you need to be, you're missing who God's put in your path. I'm a little excited this morning. I'm sorry. But we've got to get this. And we've got to stop beating people with their sin. And we've got to stop beating people with their problems. Jesus didn't beat you into submission. He loved you into repentance. <laughs> There's something about the loving heart of Jesus that draws us in and it brings us in. In fact, Romans 2 verse 4 says this, or do you think likely of the riches and kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leaves, leads you to repentance? How many times have you done wrong and God still loved you? How many times have you looked at your life and thought, how did I get here? And he still loves you in the middle of it then how dare we, we look at our own life in that light and look at others and think, what is your problem? Do, do you hear me? He loves them in the middle of their situation just like he loves you in the middle of yours. Just because yours looks different from theirs doesn't mean one's better than the other. They all need the loving heart of Jesus to reach into their situation and change something about their situation. 
But so often we look at those things and we think, well, who am I to tell them about Jesus? I mean, here's all the things I've done wrong, right? And we hold our own baggage or we get distracted by our own things and we miss the opportunities that God's put in our path. Joshua 18.3 says, Joshua addressed the people of Israel. How long are you going to sit around on your hands, putting off taking possession of the land that God has given you? Let me ask you a quick question. How long are you going to sit on your hands and wait from taking possession of the gifts that God has given you? How long are you going to sit back and say, God, I don't know if it can be me. God, I don't know. Well, I don't relate to them. You don't have to. You just have to love them. Well, I don't understand their situation. You don't have to. You just have to love them. Well, God, how am I going to help them with their marriage? First off, you're not. He is. You just have to love them. Do you hear me? Stop putting all the pressure and the weight on you. Well, I don't know how to fix their problem. You don't have to. You just have to love them. And when we begin to love them, they begin to understand who Jesus is, and it unlocks something in them that he can start to heal them. All you do is love them. It's never too late to be what you might have been. It's your decisions that determine your destiny. It's that simple. Well, I just don't know if I can accomplish that. I don't know if I can. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I've waited too long. I've missed too many opportunities. Let me back up. Because I'm pretty sure Joshua 18.3 didn't say, I'm using someone else to take the land I gave you because you waited too long. He said, how long are you going to wait before you take what I gave you? God's not giving you an opportunity. Oh, missed it. I'm trading it to this person. No, it was designed, it was created for you because there's no one else on earth that can do what you can do. So your purpose and your plan is designed for you. The only question is how long is it going to take you to begin to participate with what he created you to be? Well, God's already gave my promise to somebody else. No, he didn't give your promise away. You've just yet to take hold of it. Stop selling yourself short. Stop saying, oh, I can't do this. God, how are you going to use me? Where are you going to use me? He's going to use you as soon as you let him. It's not what you can do with what you have. It's what he can do with what you'll give him. Do we get this this morning? So many times we get so mixed up because we hold ourselves to these standards that they're not even the standards that Jesus holds you to. Jesus loves you with a perfect love. He knows you're not perfect. Let's jump back. That was one of your blanks, by the way. I said that really quick, but God loves you with a perfect love. Let's jump back, though. 1 Corinthians 13, because how many of you, you've been jealous before? Or you see somebody do something, you get envious of what somebody else's life looks like or what they have or the promotion they got at work or, you know, well, man, they've got the perfect marriage or, man, they've got the perfect kids. What you don't see was all the crying, everything that went on the car to get them in the building and how many times they got whooped so that they were perfect in the moment. You said, do you hear me? Well, their life is so great. Do you, do you, all right, I'm just telling you. I've done, tell the truth. How many of you ever shown up at somebody's house before on a surprise visit? We got any surprise visitors in here? 
right? Like you just show up. You don't even call. You just show up at somebody's house. I quit doing that. You know why? Because I walk up to a door one time, and it's like I'm about to knock. And it's like, what? They're killing somebody in there, right? I, I'm not even kidding you. True story. My wife's going to kill me. I didn't ask if I could share this. But my brother is one of those surprise people. He shows up in my house one day. We got the windows open. We're cleaning. And my boys are doing a great job cleaning because we've got a closet right by the front door. And their job was to get all these shoes in this closet. And I don't remember which one of them was doing it at this point. But I walked through. And I'm like, man, you're really getting these done. And all of a sudden, I hear a knock on the door. <laughs> and Lawrence is cracking up. We're, well, I mean, we're, anybody ever clean with a four-year-old? It's not peaceful. Okay, let me, I'm just, Jesus loves us all, but it's not peaceful, okay? It's like, go pick up those shoes. No, those shoes. No, don't push the table. Go pick up these shoes. No, don't color the wall. Pick up these shoes. Okay, that's what it was a lot like. And then I walk in, and most of the shoes are picked up, and my brother knocks, and we open the door. And I open the door, and I discover all the shoes. He's been throwing them out the window instead of putting them in the closet. I'm just telling you. Life's not perfect. You're not perfect, but God is. And God loves you with a perfect love. And he didn't create you to be who he called you to be on your own. In fact, when God created all of the universe and all of the earth and humanity, he looked at it all and he said, it's good. And then he created man. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone. He didn't call you to do this on your own. He didn't call you to carry that weight on your own. He didn't call you to get to the places he created you to get on your own. It's the relationships that you develop that help you get where he's called you to go. Do you hear me? In fact, great revelation of this is John 19, 26. This is Jesus on the cross. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to the mother, dear woman, here is your son. Get this, in the middle of his greatest pain on the cross, he was still so focused on the people. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody and the last thing you wanted to think about is the people around you who needed your love, right? He's hanging on the cross watching his mother watch her son die. And he looks at one of his disciples and realizes he's there. And he turns to his mom and says, no, no, here's your son. Like, I'm still worried about your situation in the middle of my greatest pain. But that's not even the most amazing part. Because the most amazing part of that verse is it says he saw the disciple who he loved standing nearby. That was John. We know that because the Bible says I believe it's five or six times the reference is the disciple whom Jesus loved. You want to know what's really funny? You know who wrote that? John. I love it. It's like who was the most humble man on earth? Exodus. Moses. Who wrote Exodus? Moses. Right? It's one of those like, man, he had to have a real revelation. But hear me, John had a real revelation of the loving heart of Jesus that he would even say he was the one he loved. Why? Because he understood the love 
that was going on in this situation. So much so that when Jesus was taken, it said the disciples left. They followed from a distance. They weren't with him. But when he was crucified, John was with him. He was still there. Everybody else left, but John was with him. Why? Because John had a revelation of love. Catch this, because when you have a revelation of love, it doesn't matter what people are walking through, you're going to stand with them. It doesn't matter where you're at in your situation, there's going to be people there because you understand what love is in Jesus. Do you follow me? He was able to look at that and say, this is the man. This one right here, he's going to take care of you. He's going to be a part of your life. Do you follow me? Jesus is still doing the same thing. He's looking at every one of you. He's like, no, no, no. Don't look over that person. This person's going to be a part of your life. Don't look over that relationship. They've got something for you. Do, do you hear me? How many times has someone just spoke into you and called something out of you that you didn't know was there? It's because that relationship was pivotal to who God called you to be. You were never called to do this alone. Let me let you in on the bad side of it. God loves with a perfect love. We don't. All we can do is every day try to be more and more like Jesus in every area of our life. Do you follow me? Here's why I say that. Because the truth of it, you're going to get offended. The truth of it is, at this church, somebody's going to offend you. It's going to happen. At your small group, somebody's going to offend you. How dare they? It's going to happen. One of our pastoral staff, it's probably going to happen. We're not walking around looking for it, but we're human. We're people. We have bad days, just like everybody in here has a bad day. Do you, do you hear me? How many times have you reacted to somebody because of the situation that you faced in that day instead of responding to them out of love? It's going to happen. We're an imperfect people. But get this, God's family is a family of the forgiven. We're a dysfunctional people. Our mistakes are frequent, and our love is imperfect. But we are still the bride of Christ. And even, yo, oh, get this, even in the church's imperfection, our spiritual well-being is tied to our submission to the church. Do you guys get that? See, there's this really cool thing. I think we miss a lot. Jesus didn't come to tell you you could do it on your own. Jesus came and he established the church in all its imperfection. <laughs> he established it because he knew what it could be and what it should be and what it would be. Our job is to steward it and make it what he knew it could be. Do you follow me? See, we miss that a lot of times. We think, well, the church, it's an old, and we just go off on this whole tangent, anti-church. Let me tell you really quick, Jesus wasn't anti-church. He established the church. Just like Jesus didn't come and do away with the law, it says he came to fulfill the law, not do away with the law. Hear me, because the law said sin required death, so he became death so you could live. Your life in Jesus is directly tied to the debt he paid to the law. You follow me? So don't say Jesus came, he did away with the law, there's no more law. No, he fulfilled the law, that's why you have life. 
Do you follow me? It's because of through his death and through him fulfilling the requirement of the law that we're able to have life. Sin fractured a relationship. Jesus came to mend. Do you hear me? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it fractured a relationship that then started this crazy crash course of bringing us back and restoring that so that we could have the relationship and the communication, the fellowship with God that we were intended to have. You follow me? Love has to be our source. Because even if you trace it back to the very first time, man, screwed up. A pursuit of love started at that moment to restore what man broke. Do you follow me? It, it doesn't matter where you look in the Bible, you will see over and over and over the pursuit of love that God had for his people, that God has for us, because he wants to restore us to who he called us to be and created us to be. And we've got to catch that this morning. You know, it's easy for us to come in and sit and get excited about this message, right? I mean, it's easy to talk about. We need to love people more because y'all need to love me more, right? I mean, let's be honest. That message sounds great because that means people are going to treat me better. They're going to talk to me nicer. That's not the point of my message. The point of my message is we need to treat other people like Jesus treated other people because when other people crucified Jesus, he asked God to forgive them. Do you, do you follow me? When they beat him, he bled for them. Walking with an understanding of the love of God doesn't mean everything's going to go right in your life. doesn't mean people are going to treat you right. It means understanding that no matter what happens in life, our responsibility is to respond with the love of God. And if we do that, we look like Jesus. How many of you guys think our world needs the church, to look a little bit more like Jesus in that regard. People need to see the church walking around outside of these four walls and loving on people. I used to work at a restaurant, and if you guys are going to, out to eat today, let me throw this in as a freebie for you. This isn't even part of my message, but if you work at a restaurant, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody wants to work on Sundays. You know why? Because church tippers are horrible. I'm just telling you. That should not be our legacy. People should fight for a Sunday shift. Why? Because they know the church people are coming. And they're generous. They're loving. They're going to treat them well. They're going to give them big tips. And that's the place I want to be. Why? Because the church is there. We've got to be who God's called us to be in every area of our life, not just in these seats. bow our heads and close our eyes. For, for some of you, you know, I'm talking about this, and the truth of it is I want to ask two things really quick, and we're going to conclude. But if you're in here and you hear me talk about all of the sacrifice and the love that Jesus has gave to put us first, first and foremost, if you don't know what that relationship with Jesus is like, and you want to today, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you really quickly. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want everybody to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. 
I know that I'm not perfect, but you'll never let me down. Forgive me and help me to be more like you every day of my life. Amen. Now, my other question is for everybody else in the room who hopefully that means you have a relationship with Jesus. Hopefully that means you know what it is to walk with Jesus. My challenge for you today is this. Let's live like Jesus. Let's get connected to the body of Christ the way Jesus intended us to be. We've got groups that are going to be set up out here in the lobby. They're going to tell you more about in a minute, but we're going to release. And I encourage you, go find a place to get connected. Go find a people to be connected to. Your action point is attend a community group to discuss the nature of family of the church. And if you've got a New Year's revelation, write it down. I push this hard with our youth team, our college teams, our interns. If you want to hear God speak to you, you better be ready to hear him. That means carry something, you can write it down. Don't walk through your day and say, God, speak to me about this. If you're not ready to write down what he's going to tell you, don't waste the word. Don't waste the revelation. If he's given you a revelation for this season and this year, write it down so you can rehearse it. Write it down so every morning you can release that over your life. Write it down so when you walk through your day, you can remember this year has a purpose. This season has a purpose. Let's worship him this morning. If you would, let's, let's all stand to our feet. As we sing this song, if you're one of the ones I was saying, you've got a relationship with God, but today you want to take it a step farther. Today, you want to look more like Jesus. Then I want to ask you, take it a step farther in your worship. Let's press in just a little bit more this morning. Let's worship him for who he is in our life and what he's done. Not because of our week, but because of who he is. Amen.